If you decentralize custodianship, if you make being a custodian very, very easy, it kind of makes mockery of laws restricting people from being custodians. If you've just got a few big operators, they're kind of points of failure which can be attacked by government, whatever. And I think you see that with technology, if you make things easier to run, more people are going to collectively challenge the regulations and those rules. Hello there, how are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an episode with Ben Ark from LN Bits. Now, this is one of my favorite episodes I made when I was recording here in Bedford, because one of those ones that wasn't as I expected. We originally planned to record an episode challenging some of the ideologies in Bitcoin, but before we got into that part of the conversation, we got sidetracked by some of Ben's inventions. Ben brought this briefcase, which kind of looked like a bomb, but was actually a lightning ATM. And this this ended up taking us down a rabbit hole of all the cool shit that Ben and his team have been working on over at LM Bits. Um, so yeah, it's a very fun episode to record and probably one that if you're listening to, it's also worth going and checking out the YouTube and just like seeing how this stuff works. Um, but yeah, his team are building a bunch of cool stuff. I think I'm going to use some of it for my football club. So if you want to check it out, please do head over to YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel is, I think it's youtube.com forward slash what hyphen Bitcoin hyphen did. I mean, that'll be linked in the show notes anyway, so you'll find it there. Anything else you want to reach out to me, you've got any questions about this or any other show, my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Ben. Peter. How are you, man? Very good. I'm a bit concerned because Chucky was on the table a moment ago, and now he's up there, and I didn't see him. anyone move him, so. <laughs> well, I don't feel like I should tell this story again, should I? Fuck off, Danny. <gasps> uh, I don't feel like I should tell this story. Oh, there's multiple things going on. Me and Danny have just made a bet. Yeah. 0.1 Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I can't give up vaping. I've got till the end of the year. Gonna I'm going to start vaping just to... Uh, that is such a piss take. Can just, I get, can I get on the bet as well? Yeah. Really? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> oh, no, you can't make it too much because then I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take up another 0.1 Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ben, I, uh, you're undermining me. Right, no, no, I, um, no, it's, we're all going to profit from this. <laughs> this, is a, this is for the future of what Bitcoin did. We can make um, a website in any audience. Then because... You don't know how weak I am with this. Yeah. Dan does. That's why he's taking the bet. Well, I was, I'm was i an ex-smoker, so yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah, I did eight hours the other day, and then I went into the shop to get gum. And when I was getting gum, they had the full vape counter. I was like, oh, bollocks. Yeah. I'll get one more. Um, I told the story the other day. I'm just going to do the very quick version because um, I told it to Anita. It's really weird. I bought that as a present for my daughter. After She loves horror films. Yeah. I bought that as a toy in America. And the weirdest thing is going to happen. If you know Child's Play, this you'll get this. So when I bought him, he says two things. We've had him for three months. About a week ago, he started saying new things. Oh, jeez. I swear to you. He said he's got like eight new things, he says, which completely freaks me out because that's Chucky, right? Yeah. Maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe they have it in the programming. That's what I want to find out. Yeah, I think because they probably that, do, because that's very clever if they do. If they do, that is brilliant. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we we had him out the other day and we're like, well, he hasn't said that before. And we're going through <laughs> and he's learned like eight new things. So, Keep an eye uh, on him. Anyway, good to see you again, man. Yeah, me too. Thank you for coming to Bedford. No, thank you for having me. Uh, lovely, beautiful yeah, place. Here's a lovely Congrats place. on the move as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's nice to actually be able to run the show here for a while. Not, not always go to America and it's... Um, I feel like they're, I don't know if it's uh, what it is, but I feel like either there is a bit of a buildup of Bitcoiners in the UK or m by doing the show here, I've recognized there's a, more of a scene than I realized. And I now feel a bit of a duty actually to 
help yeah. support it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've supported enough of the Americans now. I, I feel like we should be doing more here. And, and Europe as well. Like the, yeah. um, the, the well, you're having an eater on scene, but the, the German Bitcoin scene is incredible. Um, and you just need to look at the, the node map to see how many Bitcoin nodes are running in Germany. It's got the highest concentration, I think. And it beats the US quite a lot of times for um, node, people running nodes. So yeah, no, Europe's got a great scene, great Bitcoin scene. And I think in the UK as well, we, and I said that, I think I might have said this on your last show that we had kind of a positive news cycle for Bitcoin quite early on. Whereas in the US they had, you know, this is drug dealer money. We had some BBC tech correspondent saying, oh, this is a new thing called Bitcoin. Yeah. And um, speaking quite positively about it, well, not negatively at least. So I think people have been aware. And of, you know, of course we've had some people who've been involved in Bitcoin very early on, someone like Adam Back. Um, was he in Kent University when? Don't know. Bitcoin thing was kicking off. I think it was Kent University. Um, cypherpunking away in his free time, you know. But yeah, now we have a, a good tradition with Bitcoin in the UK. Um, meetups, we have a big meetup in Cardiff, actually. You do? Oh, yeah. yeah. When is it? It's, uh, I think it's like the first Monday or something of the, the month or something. When's the next one? Uh, I, need to, I need to make sure. That, send me an invite. Yeah, I'll try I'll and get down you, to Oh, meet. dude, do. Because we have, we have a good turnout. And they, they also organize the uh, Bitcoin retreat as well, the camp um, event in West Wales, which is getting really popular. I wonder if that's that guy I met. I met some guy, some Welsh guy, some Bitcoin. I wonder if he's Probably. involved. But yeah. yeah, let me know. I mean, look, you've come down here, so only right I should go back. Yeah, and yeah we'll do that. Be great. There's a guy who runs a meetup in. Who was the guy we met? In... The Avon Valley, Valley guy. No, Limington Spa. Oh right, yeah. He said he, I ran a meetup, and he said the first one I did, I had one. <laughs> but, but then he had more, and it's growing. Yeah. Um, we just had our first one at the football club, uh, which was incredible. We had, look. It, We've obviously got people coming to a game. They know it's about uh, about um, the clubs about a little bit about Bitcoin. So yeah, we got to leverage that. But we had over sixty for the first one, and I would say probably about thirty of them were Bitcoiners, and they came and learned a little bit about football, <laughs> and the rest were football people who came to learn about Bitcoin. And there That's was nice. this really nice mix of people in the room when Connor Ocus ran the session. And brilliant. He's so brilliant. And he would put questions out and you would see the discussion as the audience responds between them. So you'd have, you know, maybe somebody who's not exposed to Bitcoin ask a question and mm. then somebody in the crowd would answer. And it was this really nice mix. So we're going to do one a month at a home game and just you know, see how big we can grow that. I've got infinite respect for people who organize meetups. It's a lot of work. Yep. Um, and often they don't get enough credit for the great work they do. I mean, Bitcoin would be anywhere if it weren't for its meetups. Like a lot of the best things came out of meetups. Well, I definitely want to help support the the UK scene if if I can. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's um, yeah, we can't let the Americans have all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we met, you briefly talked about LM bits, mm. um, and before we get into the, like the meat of today, but I, I think um, I think it'd be good to tell a little bit more, tell the audience about it, what you're working on, because. Um, some pretty cool stuff. I know Danny's a massive fan as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very relevant to the topics which we're going to be covering today. So we're covering um, uh, Bitcoin is looking at, I mean, partly I think what we're going to cover is uh, Bitcoin is looking at areas which historically have kind of been blacklisted. So something like custodianship, um, what are better forms of custodianship and, and can we make good solutions for people to be able to run themselves? Um, and with Alan Bits, like one of the original concepts, I mean, it, it came out of a bunch of concepts um, and problems which we were having with Lightning at the time um, and Bit paying in Bitcoin on Lightning. And uh, one of them was that if you decentralize 
custodianship, if you make being a custodian very, very easy, it kind of makes mockery of laws restricting people from being custodians. If you've just got a few big operators, they're kind of points of failure, which can be attacked by, you know, government, whatever, with regulations. Um, and I think you see that with technology, if you make things easier to run, like it's it, more people are going to collectively challenge the regulations and those rules. And um, with Lightning, for example, and, and Lightning Solutions, uh, quite often an Uncle Jim model where you have uh, maybe a family member running a node, keeping channels, balancing channels, and then people in your, the family, you know, being able to use and that node uh, for their uh, Bitcoin payment services. Um, that's a nice model rather than everyone in the family having their own node. Um, so with LMBits, there was that concept of making it really easy to run like an open node or an LMPay, which are both fantastic, great services. Um, and a big shout out to both of them because they were massively inspirational to um, LMBits starting. So there was that. And then there was uh, some real world stumbling blocks where I would, you know, if I was developing something like a point of sale, I was playing around with like uh, hardware at the time, make, with microcontrollers and things, trying to make you know lightning points of sell. I would have to make like six different versions. I'd need to make like a, a C Lightning version, a LND version, an Eclair version, an LMPay version, an Open Over. They've all got their own different APIs. So what I needed was uh, something which could sit on any funding source, and it would just have a standard API. So I could just develop. If I had that piece of software, I could just then develop for that API, and then that piece of software could communicate with whatever's underneath it. I wouldn't have to keep like having all these different versions of my projects. So there was that. The other one was um, I'd made an ATM at the time, uh, and all those funding source solutions, it was hard, well, it was near impossible, apart from maybe LND Hub, to have multiple accounts. Uh, so if you had a Lightning node, you had one account, one admin, Macaroon. You know, if you had Open Node, you had one admin key. And if I've got my ATM and it's got the ability to spend funds um, to pay people, then if someone breaks into it, they can get my admin keys and they can take all my funds. So I wanted the ability to easily make lots of wallets as well, like for it to be trivial. And each wallet has its own API keys. Um, so these are like, you know, developing for real world issues I was having when I was trying to develop. I think that's probably the best way to kind of build things because then it's, you know, there's other people like you out there in the world. Uh, and there was. Uh, and that's what attracted a lot of them. Because I mean, I'm not a, a developer and I think, you know, I, I developed, but I'm not a, 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 a you know, I, I was a teacher and I was kind of learning while I was building this thing. Uh, but thank goodness the project attracted all this incredible talent into it. Um, and as a free and open source project, they were contributing. Uh, and quite quickly, we were able to build a piece of software, which was very functional. The other thing we wanted was the ability to have uh, extensions. So if you imagine your Lightning node, uh, LMBits, one of the good ways of describing it is kind of like a WordPress for your node. It, depending on what you are and what you're using your node for, you have different requirements and different you know, needs. So if you're a content creator, then you might want some extensions for helping you create content, like putting QR codes in video streams or whatever. Um, whereas if you're a shop, then you might want a point of sale or you might want an online uh, shop or online integrations. So you have these different extensions and you can build out your node in any direction which is relevant to you. Um, and there were lots of us, we were building cool you know, little lightning software projects. So there's a, a guy at um, one of the lightning conferences and he made, um, for the, um, the hackathon, he made a jukebox uh, uh, piece of software which was using Spotify's API. So you could connect to a page and then it would list some songs from a playlist he selected. And then you could pick a song and then pay and then it would play on a, a device connected to that Spotify. So you had like a very a cool jukebox thing which you could pay lightning payments for. 
uh, a great project, but in order to run it, you would have to go to his repo. You'd have to download and, and run his software in wh whichever way he's doing that. Um, so that's the sort of thing, which is now that's an extension on LMBits. Uh, got in contact with him, and um, he's you know, fully accredited in there for having the idea originally. But as an extension in LMBits, it's, it's easier then for more people to have access to it. So LMBits to install it, you can install it from the repo. Uh, but for uh, a lot of people, they run like a Raspberry Blitz or a, a MyNode or a um, or a, a Umbrel. And on, their, on those systems, it's just a one-click install, and then you get access to all that functionality. So it kind of makes that software available to more people easier. Um, and uh, so, yes, yeah, so the extension thing was, was also very important. And then it's benefited me. Like I built a piece of software, started a piece of software, um, uh, which I wanted to be able to use, and now I'm using it for more and more with my hardware stuff. So I have some hardware stuff here for you, which I was going to give you. Oh, um, wow. That's exciting. I love it when people bring this. <laughs> yeah. So here is... here Is, is this a bomb? <laughs> here's a bomb. Yeah, you have to smuggle through customs. So with, in the UK, we have uh, pre-archaic ATM laws, uh, Bitcoin ATM laws. So the idea is if you have an ATM in your cafe or bar, can you make it cheap enough that, um, uh, that if it, someone comes in and, and takes it from you, you can just deny all you know, association to it and say, yeah, whatever, take it, it's not mine. Um, and then, so this is like 60 quid or something to make. Um, and it's, it's very reliable and works, works really quite well. Uh, Hold on, this is an ATM? Yeah, yeah, Lightning ATM. So you can put coins in and then it will just display a LN URL withdraw. Uh, the actual project itself, um, you can also include a bill acceptor. There's a great British company actually called Innovative Technologies and they make this amazing bill acceptor. Um, and if you plug, because the hardware, because originally with these projects, we had lots of wires and soldering and things like that. But now we're like focusing on getting, so the microcontroller I'm using is a ESP32, but it's got a built-in screen. So now um, the screen has the microcontroller and everything built into it. Uh -huh. um, and that's like a, a 15, 20 quid device. And then we can just wire up um, the, the coin mech inside. Are you selling these? Uh, um, we are actually with Alan Bits. We are going to have a shop where we can sell some of this stuff. But really, I mean, it's DIY. You can build it yourself. Um, no, this is this is like Lego. Honestly, this is. I mean, look at it. It's just a couple of jumper cables. This box you can is, cut. This. Is this does this work now? Can we like literally. Do no, well, this. Now? Yeah, this is the thing. I, it, <laughs> the wires actually some of the wires popped out. So I have got something working though. So the idea was, can we have like an like as an onboarding thing? Can we have an ATM, uh, a point of sale? and a hardware wallet, um, all DIY, which you can build yourself or someone else could build for you. And then can we have those for like 100 quid for the lot? Um, and this, this is that. So this is like 20 quid. It's like 60 quid. Well, so it's under 100 quid. So this is like eight quid, this hardware wallet. Um, this uses the same microcontroller as the, um, the POS. They're all ESP32-based microcontrollers. So the, the, what does that mean? Um, so... Uh, with uh, microcontroller, so if you think about like a Raspberry Pi, that's like a crap computer, right? Yeah. And quite often people try and program on it, but it's a crap computer. And like, do you need a crap computer? Um, whereas often what they want to do, they could use with a microcontroller for. Uh, and a microcontroller just compiles like, you know, a small script. It doesn't have a whole operating system like a Raspberry Pi would. Mm. Um, so it's, it's much more sort of specific and there's less of an attack vector. But what's cool, so the POS, this is a... a um, Can I use that in my football club? Yes, you could. And you know what's great about it? It's completely offline. So you don't need to connect to anything. So I'm not connected to your Wi-Fi. Um, so I could turn him on, right? And if I select the POS option, which is that first one there, and then it's in GBP because it's offline. So, yeah, you know, but that's what I would want anyway. It's easier for the people in the, uh, in the bar. So if I put in like a penny there, and if I press the little hashtag thing, I get my little QR code. 
And then, do you want to see? Have you got your? Have you got a wallet? Do you want to pay it? Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, I've actually. Uh... This is this is so this is uh, like fifteen twenty dollars to make. Um, and uh, a lot of people run workshops. Actually, right now, as we speak, Staticus, the guy who came up with the Raspberry Bolt, um, the first kind of uh, Raspberry Pi Lightning node, he's doing a workshop for this um, in Frankfurt, I think. So what wallet will this go to? Uh, so scan that. Have you got like a, um, uh, it's an LNURL pay, so you need like can we, a- Can I use Moon? Oh, Moon's, Moon's tricky with LNURLs. I wouldn't use Moon for LNURLs. This is the only problem with, uh, well, try it, because they may have had an update for LNURL pay. Just receive Bitcoin or go back to send. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to use a use a use another wallet. Maybe try a, I think it's a, the only one a I've blue got. wallet or a simple Bitcoin wallet. I don't know if I've got any. Um, I switched to uh, Moon, so I, I don't. Moon are implementing uh, the Alan URL stuff, but it's tricky for them because they're um, completely uh, non-custodial. I've got pass pass here. My no? my blue wallet's only got nine thousand and nineteen sats in it. <laughs> well, actually, this is a penny, so this should totally oh, work. No, no, no. Um, this is a penny. Let me do it. Here we go. Try it. What have you got? Blue wallet. Yeah. Yeah, try it. Hold on. I like blue wallet. I like both of them actually. I like them more. All right. Here we go. Do you get a link? You should get a link back. Legend Yeah, .com. click on it. Oh no, no, it's did that. Oh yeah, open the open the uh, uh done. Yeah, hey. has it got a link you can open? Open yeah, the link. Yeah. Has it got a number on there? Yeah. What's it say? Two two eight nine. So if you click on the hashtag. What does it say? 2289. So what happened was when we set that payment, it mm -hmm. randomly generated a four-digit pin, put it in, encrypted it, put it inside that QR code. When you scanned it, you pasted the encrypted pin to the server. When Sorry, the server then decrypted it um, when you made the payment and sent it back as a receipt. Why, why did we, why so did we need that So that's your proof pin? of payment because your, that um, POS is offline. So ah. there's no way for the person who's using that POS to, to tell whether you've actually made the payment. You could have like a fake version of Blue Wallet and actually the payment didn't go through and you just faked it. What, what wallet does this go to? Where are those sets now? Right, so that's an interesting question. Per, 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 per. Oh my God, this on is one the, of my favorite on the, shows on the, ever. Danny, on the screen, can you, can you open that link up, which I yeah. sent you, is that possible? When did you put Jerome Powell up there? Uh, today. We've, <laughs> well, he's we've fixed inflation, hasn't he? So we've retired Peter Schiff? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I okay, okay. I mean, this is gonna kind of... Uh, Hold on, is Schiff gone forever? Mm, probably not forever. <laughs> With uh, with right. with with LM bits, you kind of bookmark your wallet. It's like an Insta wallet type thing in the browser. So mm -hmm. whoever's watching this now, they can scribble down the wallet and steal our funds. So you know that's not the best uh, security for us. Where, where can they steal it from? Uh, from the if they talk, took the URL there, they could get to this wallet. So basically, you have like a unique. Oh, so there's ID. no login. No, not currently. It's funny because people ask for it when they first uh, start using LM bits. And then we're like, no, you just bookmark the page. It's like an Insta wallet. Just don't show anyone the URL. But could I have this automatically just pay out to another wallet? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have this. So we have an extension. Very good question. We have an extension which does exactly that. Um, so basically, so if we uh, ref refresh this. Mm -hmm. Do you know why this is called, Danny? Oh, yeah, there you are. There you so go. you see your POS payment there for 51, 51 sats. 51 sats. See, so what this, this connects to the LNURL device. This is where you can set, you can make the POS or you can make the A2M, ATM, and you can also set a profit margin as well. What do you mean um, profit margin? So you can, you can overcharge. So that invoice, there was an extra 2% added on. Um, so you can do that if you want to be a bit, you know, as a, as a merchant, if you want to rip your customers off a little bit. Let me tell you why this is interesting, right? So It gets more interesting, but well, okay. In terms of the football, so everything right now, I'm using the football club as a lens for how we use Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So we have people who come to the game who just want to pay yeah with their pounds either we, we've got three ways of paying cash card bitcoin nice 
And we've got multiple payment points. We've got online pregame, at the gate when you turn up, in the clubhouse, and the other day we went around a barbecue with Danny, right? So if you want to buy online at the moment and say you want to buy merchandise, uh, it's great because Shopify is linked with OpenNode. It just all does it nicely for us. But if you want to buy match tickets, the company we work with has no integration. There's no possibility. So what we'd have to do is a, a separate ticket. It's just annoying. We're better off saying just buy on the day. In the clubhouse, we have uh, Zettel as our POS for buying beers and stuff. And we also have an iPad with OpenNode already set up if you want to buy your beers or stuff for that. But what we have is two other points where we collect money. At the gate, when people arrive, they want to, you know, they want to buy a ticket. If they don't have a ticket, they want to buy a ticket, but they want to buy a program. And we also have the barbecue. Both of those points, we can't accept Bitcoin because we haven't got it set up. We just have the Zettel. This would just make it super easy. Well, then also as well, so there's another function in here. So when I was in El Salvador, I wanted to like, I had dollars, I ran out of sats. I wanted to be able to go into a shop uh, and one of those shops that accumulate some sats, haven't they? And I wanted to be able to buy the sats back. So this also works as a meat bag ATM. Um, so, but in lots of parts of the world, if you actually go to an ATM in somewhere like Nigeria or something, an ATM would be a dude with a machine and you do the card payment there and then. Uh, so this is kind of like quite standard in lots of parts of the you know, developing world or, or um, parts of the world without uh, a more established uh, financial systems. So you'll see, so basically there's four options you can have on here. We've got two of them running at the moment. We've got the POS. If I go to the ATM, okay, it'll ask me to put in a pin. I'm going to put in a super secret pin, 878787. Don't tell anyone. And now I'm going to put in uh, an amount, so two pence, okay? And now watch this. Look out, because it's offline. So I just press the little hashtag, boom, it's generated the withdrawal link. So now you can scan that with your blue wallet and you'll get two pence worth of Bitcoin. How if it's online? It's offline. Uh, so how if it's offline? Can it's it constructed an LNURL withdrawal using, so the LNURL device there, you'll see that it has a, a secret key. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's able, this is the, the software, basically the server, which is, so if you scan that, Create invoice. Oh, yeah, that's that Yeah, weird blue wallet UI. Not one of these lightning wallets is perfect. But actually, simple Bitcoin wallet is probably the perfect, the, the most uh, perfect lightning wallet in my mind. Simple. Simple Bitcoin wallet, yeah. If you've got an Android, it works really well. By the way, things are slow here because our internet's slow. Done. ATM, I love that. Look, there you go. There you are, and there you see the payment on there. So you just, I just sold you two pence worth of... So what you could have, you could say, well, you haven't got any sats. Oh, I'll tell you what, buy 10 pounds worth of sats... And did you know if you pay for your beer in there with sats, you get a discount? Mm. And then just suffer the loss. But then people have that experience of accumulating, some, getting some Bitcoin, spending some Bitcoin. Well, what I really like the idea is, I like the idea of this being at the club. Yeah, just on the door. On the door. Coins in. Yeah. And I would probably... Can you just close it a second? I almost want to have like a... a maybe I'd just print something out that says, download a wallet. Oh, yeah. Which we'd recommend a wallet. Download it. Put in your keys, scan it, and done. And people, this is like a fun way of someone to get their first sets. Do you want yeah, to describe yeah, yeah. what it looks like for people listening? Yeah, sorry. Anyone who's listening and can't see this, firstly, you should go and check out the YouTube. But basically, Ben brought in something that is about the size of a shoebox, um, but it's uh, like one of those old uh, cases with the old like number locks on. You remember it? Kind of, kind of also looks like a bomb. Uh, and but the front of it is like a, an old um, slot machine. So, you know, like a gum, it's basically like a gumball machine. Yeah. And so you can put your coins in and, and then there's a little screen. What's the red button for? Uh, the red button, because... Cancel. Uh, so, ba- no, so you, this, you can plug this in, yeah. but it's very low powered. So um, if you have a, t- I have a 12 volt battery, like yeah. battery pack, 
you can use that so you can swap the plug for the battery pack and then this will just go to sleep every you know three minutes of being idle and okay. then you can just go up to it and press the button and it will wake it up and when it's idle the battery the 12 watt battery will last years like you know and that's not an exaggeration it will last years until someone presses that little button to wake it up i think we should have that so at the club cool. yeah do you know what i think we should do whether well, it depends if you're available but uh, the next meetup we have at the club for a home game, if you can, I think it would be cool if you came down and did some demos and we put that out there and, and we set all this up. Well, as I said, there's, there's a version as well which has the bill acceptor. So if you want um, uh, a bill acceptor as well, it, it, it will use as the same software and the software just recognizes that it, there's a bill acceptor plugged in and says, oh, you want to use a bill acceptor? You can actually use Hold it. On, what do you mean, sorry, bill acceptor? Like it's, you can put notes in. Oh, well, um, def definitely. Uh, and uh, so the, and I've actually, because I like being able to put this in any box. So uh, Amazon, they have these Amazon Basics, uh, what's it called? Safe. You can buy from Amazon. And uh, I bought it and I thought it was going to be about this big. And then the thing arrived and it's like, it's like this big. So it's kind of, kind of quite a big safe, but it's big black metal safe. But actually, um, it's the metal's thin enough that I could, you know, angle grind a few holes out of it, stick a screen in there, stick a coin mech, stick the bill acceptor. And then you have like an ATM and it's like the safe itself, I think costs 60 quid. Oh, I want that. I'll pay for that. Yeah. So and I want our logo on it. So you're talking for the, all the electronics and the safe. So you're talking like probably 200 quid to make the whole thing. I want it. It's Do, bad, isn't it? To, to have it there. Now, and let me show you something else. Okay. So if you go to TPO, so basically you can go to manage extensions on here. So just a quick question. I have to provide the liquidity for it. Yeah. So so on a Saturday, I'd probably want to put a few hundred pounds of sats in so people can use this. Well, yeah, what you can do is you can get a bit circular, can't you? So if you're accepting Bitcoin payments, you can have the ATM pull from the same wallet. Um, and then the ATM will just not work if it runs out of funds. Huh. So um, where do I go? Sorry. So if you go to my, uh, manage extensions. And then you'll see all the extensions we have. We've got all sorts of craziness. We've got offline, uh, all sorts of craziness. Scrub is the one which you, we won't click on it, but this is the kind of the one you were talking about here, which is where you can, um, you can give it an LN euro pay or an LN address. And then any money which goes into this wallet will just go automatically get pushed out to that. Yeah. This is an acronym sense. I'm trying to push, which is Scrub. So it's like a semi-custodial remittance, something Bitcoin. Um, if you go to TPOS and then open that one, I've already oh. set up a point of sale for you here. This is a software point of sale now. So if you click on the little... Um, the little thing. Yeah. Sorry, where does it get its rate that it's selling the sats for? It happens. So we have in LM Bits, yeah. it, it pulls the exchange rate from like several different sources and then averages it. Okay. So and it's pretty and, accurate. And if I wanted to, could I add like, say, a transaction fee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so the, the, that was a, there's a 10% uh, for the ATM on I mean, that POS there. That's Steve, dude. Well, people <laughs> are buying Bitcoin. It's, it's fine. Yeah. So this here is a completely air gap software point of sale. So if you click on the little uh, thing where it says bar and it's got that little icon thing, if you click on that. So if you scan that with your wallet, uh, with your phone, in fact, I'll do it right now. Um, I'll scan this just with a regular normal QR code scanner. The idea is that you can print this out and put it on your bar or your, in your cafe or whatever. And say, if anyone wants to come in and pay in Bitcoin, scan this QR code. Oh, I haven't got a signal, so it's not going to work. Scan this QR code and you'll get this point of sale basically on your phone and it's like mobile ready and everything. So if you close that, mm -hmm. um, we've got a great contributor actually recently who's started contributing to Alan Bits and he's added some nice functionality into this. So if you, if you press like a penny or two penny or two pennies or whatever, press OK. Right, and it says, would you like to leave a tip? So give a 10% tip. And then there we are. If you pay that, Peter. This is just my elaborate way of taking all your sets. 
<laughs> I like one I like, by one. I like it, mate. You came all the way to Bedford to take <laughs> 74 sets of me. <laughs> Isn't that very elaborate scan? So it's important to remember this is, I mean, this is a, a demo server which I'm running. Um, and uh, uh, it's also custodial. So like, you know, the funds are on our, our Lightning node. But the idea is that with Alan Bitch, you can just run it yourself on your own node pretty easy. If you've got like an Umbrella or Raspberry Blitz or something. Okay. Paid? Uh, it's, it's scanning. It's the, the internet connection. So Okay. So one thing with all this is great, but my accountant will be having a heart attack. Well, so we yeah. have, this is funny because we were talking about your Platz earlier from mm -hmm. Room 77. There we yeah. are. So that paid. So, right, so now if I go, go back, back in here. Yeah, yeah. And if you go to um, yeah, yeah, what Bitcoin did, you should see it. Right. Oh, no, wait, no. It's the, sorry, it's the Bed FC. Ah, right. Oh, sorry. Um, and we, he's got, look, he's got, so he's got the Bed FC. So there's the SATs. And then the tips have gone into a different wallet. Because when you set up the point of sale, you can uh, send the tips to a different wallet. So that could go to the barman. Could go to the barman and his wallet. Or could you, can it be split? So if you go to manage extensions, basically any question you have, we have an answer for. So if you go to manage extensions, <laughs> and if, love you, it. if you go to split payments, where uh, is it? Oh, yeah. Down there. If you enable that, this is really, this gets me really interesting for particularly like the side of which is interesting cooperatives and things. If you go down, mm -hmm. scroll down again and then open up split payments. Uh, in here is kind of the UI. I think we need to work on the UI, but basically we've got that source wallet. See where it says bad FC. Yeah. And then you can, this is, we need to work on this UI, right? But we will. You can add in the wallet ID, give it an alias, and then say, okay, 50% of whatever goes into BedFC is now going to go to this wallet. This show is brought to you by the Texas Blockchain Council. Now, on November the 17th and 18th, the Texas Blockchain Council are putting on the Texas Blockchain Summit in Bitcoin country, Austin, Texas. Now, you know how much I love out there. I'm going to be attending. The event is two days of thought leadership for Bitcoin. Day one is all that any Texas Bitcoin miner could ask for. Top Bitcoin CEOs and their teams will be hanging out in Austin. And day two has top policy leaders from the US, both federal and state legislators, senators, House of Representatives, CFTC commissioners. What more could you ask for? Yes, I'm not just promoting this. I'll be attending the event in Austin, hanging out with my Texas Bitcoin buddies and interviewing someone very important on stage. So make sure you book your ticket, come to the event, let's hang out to find out more head over to texasblockchainsummit.org and use the discount code PETERMC20 for a 20% discount at checkout and let them know that I sent you. This offer is valid until the end of October. Next up, it is BCB Group. BCB Group provide online business banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty with finding a payment services provider that understands Bitcoin and reached out to me. Now, BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, but they are expanding globally. They have an amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients and all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had some trouble with this, like me, and if you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. Now if you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up is my new sponsor, Wasabi, who I will be now using to make sure my Bitcoin is private and I'm very excited about using their software. With the release of Wasabi 2.0, Bitcoin privacy is now effortless as the wallet has introduced privacy by default. Now, rather than having to choose to coin join, this can all be done automatically. So you just need to receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can spend freely. 
or the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement. You also get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi 2.0, so you don't leak your IP address, and there are no more minimum denominations, so you can coin join any amount, and there's no more change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. Privacy is something I've been taking more seriously recently, and with Wasabi 2.0, this has made it so much easier. So definitely go and check it out. If you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Also, today we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only ever buying. Come on, we're hodlers. We're not sellers. I'm also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I've been buying a lot of those recently. And I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. Gemini are now also running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Now, so what I'm thinking that what I would want with this, we've got a, a squad of 20 players. Yeah. Put all 20 players in, and oh. then any tips just splits between the team. Flipping ace. Yeah, do it. That'd be amazing. Okay. Uh, if you go to the managed extensions again, so that's the split. And that's a um, that's something. So basically, with LM Bits, um, it's a free and open source project. We've all been, you know, contributing a few hours here, a few hours there. Yeah. Um, uh, and then obviously, cause it's so great and people like it, we've had a lot of VC interest over it and they've been like, okay, can you make a business? Can you make something? Can we employ the people working on this to work on it full time? And then we're like, yeah, but we, what we don't want to do is, is that classic thing with the free and open source project, which is good, where they have like an enterprise version and then like a community version of the software and it sucks. So like a crappy version and a good version, which and, you have to pay yeah, for. Yeah, but then you feel obliged to work on the... Yeah, because you go for the big VC round, and then you're like, oh, and you promise all these things, and all this functionality, and yes, it will be paid, blah, blah, blah. So we were talking to VCs for probably about a year and a half about LM Bits and how we could like sync it in and, and do something with it. Uh, and eventually I went, because uh, uh, Max from Hivemind, he's a pretty progressive dude. I like him. Um, so I went to him directly, and I'm just like, dude, like undervaluers, just give us enough money to employ like five of the developers working on Ellen Bits right now, full-time. Because currently we're just doing a few hours here and there. And uh, and then just see what happens in a year, year and a half. Um, we're not going to guarantee we're going to produce any uh, uh, return on investment. We're not going we're, we're <laughs> to... Give we're, us money. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was basically like, we probably will. So we have things we're going to make. Like So we're going to yeah. make the shop where we sell the gizmos. And we're also going to have software as a service. So you'll be able to get it to lmbits.com and then just like pay some sats. And then we have a Kubernetes cluster and you can just go and spin up an lmbits. Like a throwaway lmbits, which is really interesting because you connect to your Tor server and do some fun stuff. Do you know, it's, it's making me think that we had this, we had Obi in the other day to talk about Fediment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had a long conversation about VCs investing in Bitcoin. And, you know, the tr- traditional VC investment model is, you know, 10 investments, eight go to shit. You, you know, a couple do okay, but one should one should be your kind of home run. And uh, but the thing the thing we're doing with Bitcoin, if you're investing in Bitcoin companies, well, your two in ten has to also outperform just holding Bitcoin. Yeah, oh which, yeah, which is quite a challenge. Yeah, so yeah. you're not only, you've got to outperform Bitcoin. Ah, no, no, no. yeah. Sorry. Well, so and he said he forwarded me to that Daniel. How do you say it? Crowds. Yeah, his article on Nakamoto Institute, which was uh, spec, speculative altruism. 
and I read I read about it, and he said a lot of Bitcoin investment really needs to be considered as altruism that may have a payback. Well, no, yeah, um, I mean, so you're it's twofold because you you may get investment, you may get um, uh, a return back on your investment for the immediate thing which you're investing in, but what you are doing is you're building out the infrastructure. So over you're making the, your Bitcoin worth more, and then you make your Bitcoin worth more. So yeah. you're, you're increasing the value of your own bags. Um, so over the past couple of months, where like I think four people and now five people have been working on uh, and bits like full time, it's amazing. Like the repo's been managed properly, um, and we built it out. We built out a massive testing suite to make it because we're still beta, so we want to come mm. out of beta, right? We also we built the. Um, uh, so if you go to on-chain wallet here, open uh, on-chain wallet. Okay, so Vlad Stan, um, who's one of our developers. I originally got in contact with him because he works on Bitcoin, worked on Bitcoin JS. And I was like, I, I had like a DIY hardware wallet. And I'm like, I wanted him to build like a, to help me build a front end uh, UI, you know, like a Trezor yeah. type thing, but like web-based. He did loads of work towards it. And this, this is a couple of years ago. And I did, I just didn't do that extra 10% to have the thing finished. It was called the little Bowser, the, the, the second version of my Bowser wallet thing. Um, and uh, so when Max gave us the investment to employ some and Bits developers, I get in contact with Vladstan and I'm like, dude, can we make this thing now? Can we make these cheap DIY hardware wallets? And then in a way where we can use a browser with it. Uh, and he was like, yeah, cool. And he had, you know, he's, he's between things. So he's like, so he joined us. And honestly, the things he's built and the studs are genius. So now we have this DIY hardware wallet. It uses the same microcontroller as the POS, which is this uh, TT Go, uh, LilyGo uh, T-Display. It's an ESP32 based microcontroller. Um, we've got a nice little 3D printed box for it. This is, this is like, eight, nine quid to make this, okay? Um, and it uses web serial. So if I uh, plug this into the computer, um, and uh, web serial works on Chrome, Chromium, I think it works on Brave as well. And then if you click on, you see where the little Bluetooth symbol is there? Mm -hmm. If you click on that, um, yeah, serial port not, yeah. So if you're using Chrome or something, it would come up with a little box where you could select this device if it was plugged in via USB. And then, uh, don't worry trying to get it up, it'd be too right. faffy. Um, and then you can log in, and this has a private key on, so you can sign, uh, um, this thing can generate, uh, so if you go to new payment, we don't need to be plugged in for this. We can put in a Bitcoin address there, we can put in an amount in Satoshi's, and then we can generate a, a partially signed Bitcoin transaction, which then we can send over the wire, web serial, to our hardware device, and then we can sign on our hardware device. I mean, it hasn't got a HSM, it's not got a secure chip on, it's not your Trezor, but um, it's, it's hard, a hardware wallet which is cheap enough for me to be able to give to someone, you know, a cafe or a bar or something and say, this is better than you storing your Bitcoin on a phone or on an exchange. Um, and it's good for like, you know, 10,000 quid or something, but don't go any higher than that. If you're going to go any higher than that, use something with a secure chip. But then in saying- I think even at 10,000 quid, you want a secure chip, right? Well, do you know what? In saying that, like supply chain attacks are huge and it scares me. I don't want to FUD like the world of hardware wallets because yeah. I, I love all those projects uh, and I love Trezor, you know, it's brilliant. But the factory which is making those hardware wallets, they know that they're hardware wallets and that's an issue. Because, uh, and they know there's probably going to be a substantial sum of money on those hardware wallets. So I'm, I'm constantly waiting for a supply chain attack to come but to fruition. how many people in that factory have to collude to fuck with the hardware <sighs> I wallet? I mean, it's whoever's boxing the things up, you know, just slips in a, a corrupted hardware wallet, which they're made, you know, made. And then, you know, I mean, I know they have like, they test these things. Yeah, but they again, randomly like, do samples and test them. But, but then how many have you got to slip in? You know, they're making millions of these. How many yeah, but when do, you, when do you activate the back door and like how many of them are going to be? And, it's something you just don't know as an attack yeah. vector. But these don't have the supply chain attack. When, and also like your- Why not? You're the supply chain. 
Well, no, I mean, if I was selling these from a shop, yeah, of course. But if you, if you do it how you're supposed to, DIY, um, you could buy this from Amazon, AliExpress, wherever. And the company which is selling them, they're just like, oh, it's like another Arduino enthusiast. They have no idea that you're anything related to Bitcoin. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, in, I mean, just not doxing your address, your delivery address for your hardware wallet is, is what we've seen with the ledger stuff, um, is a good thing. So anyway, so you can then, so the idea is, right, so we haven't got it here, but we've got a new ex, another extension being built by this guy called DNI. Now, I think most European US cafe bar owners, when they accept Bitcoin payments, they want it as a way of to try and accumulate Bitcoin, right? Um, which if you do on Lightning kind of sucks because you haven't got to really spend it and really want it in cold storage. So what we have is when we, we mix these extensions together, right? So the an extension which is coming out very soon is we um, uh, a swap extension. So it can swap from Lightning to on-chain. So what you can do is set a threshold in a wallet, say when it gets to like 50 quid or 100 quid in this wallet, the Satoshi equivalent, it will loop out using this extension. So it will just be listening and watching that wallet. So when it gets to uh -huh. 100 quid, it will loop out to on-chain. Then they can manage it from their, you know, $10 hardware wallet, you know? Um, or if they want, they could put an on-chain address from Kraken or some exchange or whatever and have the funds go there. But I think it's funny because one of the first things which was built on Lightning was by a cloud, something called, it was Async Strike actually, it's called Strike. And that was simply that Lightning payments go in, they concatenate together, and then you loop out to on-chain. And it was such a great product and it's such a great thing. So anyway, so we're gonna have an extension which basically does that. And when you mix it with the point of sale extension, um, the the hardware wallet ex, uh, this this um, hardware wallet extension as well uh, it becomes a very powerful kind of like tool set you can use. Let me ask you something completely different. You know, Moon Wallet. You don't know whether you're on using Lightning or Base Chain when you make payments. Yeah. How the fuck does that work? I don't know. It's, it's wizardry. Yeah. I mean, Moon Wallet's incredible, and they're they're trying to tackle uh, the the obvious problem is that Lightning doesn't work properly. Okay, we'll come back to that. I think they're solving an, <laughs> another problem is. You're having to think about two networks, base chain and lightning. So um, when we ran the meetup, we covered Bitcoin and then we covered the lightning network. And if you don't know any of this, that's a massive leap to go, you know, for one to the other. It's like, right, I've got this Bitcoin center there. Oh, but I need to also use a lightning wallet to do quick pay. Like to get rid of that and just not have to think about it. You have yeah. Bitcoin. I think that's a great solution. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, Never underestimate how much people can scale up. Like think about the early internet and when people didn't know what email was and whatever else. And it all sounded very complicated. And then people scale up and they learn all these things. Um, so one day people understand and be able to operate and use daily public key crypto. It will happen. Of course it will happen. Yeah, but I think if you compare it to the internet, there's two types of people. There are some people who want Bitcoin who are going to want to have a wallet and a phone. And they're going to go and they just want to go pay and forget about it. Mm. And like the internet, there are some people who are going to not run a Mac or are not going to run a PC. They're going to build their own computer. They're going to understand yeah. how it works and dig into it and care about all this. There's, there's a variety of people. And this is, this is, this is, this is the kind of the point, um, just to kind of go back on ourselves a little bit. This is kind of the point of why, uh, as Bitcoiners, they shouldn't be scared or blacklist this, this area of custodialship. Because there are people within you know, a community who are a bit more technically competent and they're more likely to set up that server. Yeah. You make it as easy as possible so as many people can be that person. Um, but for the, the immediate and near-term future, it's, it's certainly going to be that there's technically competent people are going to be the ones managing these nodes. But, and, and also the ones with resources because these nodes cost quite a lot of money to, to run, manage channels and all that sort of stuff. Well, um, well, there is a lot to think about. So if I'm running, let, let, let's compare it back to running the football club, right? When we take payments uh, on our website, all that happens is people collect, select their card or PayPal, 
and the money goes ends up in our bank account. Yeah. Okay. And um, when people come to our uh, the ground and they buy a beer, they scan Zettel and it ends up in our bank account. That's all that we have to think about. And then we have this pool of money in our bank account. And this is like the Rube Goldberg machine of all these crazy things happening in order for that process to happen. Yeah, but like with <laughs> this, we've got like OpenNode and there's sats on OpenNode. And then we also then put some of the sats back into our hardware wallet, uh, uh, sorry, our cold storage. But we can leave some in a float, which is on a hardware wallet. And then if we accept this, we have sats here. Like there's a lot of disparate things that can be going on with Bitcoin. There always is. And I, I, I assume most people... Uh, when they want to like, when they think think about how much Bitcoin they own, they just don't just say, "Oh, I've got twelve Bitcoin." They go, "Right, I've got two Bitcoin there. I've got on that hardware wallet. I've got um, you know another Bitcoin on my phone. I've got hundred thousand Sats in that." Like, there's a lot of disparate sources. This is why I quite like the idea of like Scrub Solutions, yeah. where you're, you're just looping out to on chain when it gets to a certain amount. I like that um, because uh, then, I mean, if you can just use somebody else's service, and you know your risk profile is what hundred quid, which is going into that wallet, and I mean, that's fine. Maybe you have to pay a percent or two percent transaction fee for them giving you that service. Um, uh, so that's why I, you know, I, I quite like it um, for a way of onboarding to four people. But I, I think that people will become accustomed to having cold storage Bitcoin, which is secure on chain. You know, not, not saying Lightning isn't secure. And then you have payments Bitcoin, which is you know, your, your checking account, which you're going to use for payments. So your savings account and your checkings account. And your Lightning wallet. Yeah, well, this is your Lightning Wallet, is your checking. Well, I, so I, I think you, you, there's almost three. I think you have your cold storage on chain. Yeah. Then you have your hardware wallet on chain. I don't know. I, th I mean, a cold storage, I, I, I'm saying hardware wallet. I'm well, so I say multi-sig. So yeah. I think you have your multi-sig. Oh, well, that's going another level. Well, so if yeah. you think in terms of a company that might have, okay, a cafe is maybe different. Say there's a company that has is dealing six, seven figures of Bitcoin, like then a multi-sig with uh, a Trezor with a, a hard, a secure module, yeah. plus a device which doesn't have the supply chain attack is is the secret source right there. I mean, you've you've got to be going some to supply chain attack Ledger, Trezor, and Cold Card on a. I, I mean, I mean, how many? How many? That that I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're all using these different. A few of them are using different secure modules, but I would I would like to have an off-the-shelf device. That's what, I mean, because then there's no supply. I know there's no supply chain attack, and I can do a multi-sig. But that's for, this is. I think this is the most important thing, is that you have different kind of like payment journeys for different users. Yeah. For someone in the UK, Europe, whatever, this they want to accumulate Bitcoin, have mm. it go to their cracking account, have it go to a hardware wallet. For someone in El Salvador, they want maybe something a bit more circular. Yeah. And then maybe we just use that scrub extension just to send it to there. Lightning wallet they've got on their phone, and then just use it, you know, when they're going out and about. Um, so you have to kind of like cater, and I think this is actually why it's been great that we've had all this uptake from uh, countries which haven't got more established financial systems, uh, because we're having to then build and address some of the problems with this technology for users like that, such as you know it being incredibly expensive to run a Lightning node, for example, um, and for the average El Salvadorian, like they they don't have access to anything else than something which is custodial. Uh, because they can't do their own non-custodial lightning payments. It's mm. too expensive, too hard, and you know they haven't got the internet coverage or whatever. Come on, you, you came out with a quite a controversial statement a moment ago. You just said lightning network doesn't work. So the promise... We're going to have to talk about that. The promise and the assumption is that everybody can build a node. So 
like my gizmos, for example. I'm going to move this just because I want to see your yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, um, like my gizmos, for example, the first gizmo I made was I went to a lightning hack day and someone had made a, a sweet machine, which had a full Bitcoin node in it and a lightning node. And then you would scan a QR code, you go to a website, you'd find a QR, pay the QR code, and then you could get it to Spouse Suites. That was like my McDonald's experience in El Salvador. <laughs> I thought McDonald's experience was quite good in El Salvador. I thought Starbucks was way better. Really? Yeah, because Starbucks... I, I went and just paid for a coffee. I went to the... Did you go to the, the, the do-it-yourself thing? So I don't know if it's changed, but the day I... So I went the day it happened and um, went to Starbucks and they immediately... They just gave me a... Popped up a phone, scan and done. Whereas with um, uh, with McDonald's, there was a... What was the issue? They popped up... So I, I did, did it on the screen... And then it popped up a QR code. I can't remember what the issue was. Was it that it gave me um, a lightning address and I had a base chain or it gave me a, maybe it gave me a base chain address and I had a lightning mm. and it didn't tell me which it was and I was assuming I was going to pay with lightning. Something was just not as smooth. I can't remember what it was. When I was there for the conference, I went to McDonald's and I, I again, a shout out to OpenNote, I was relieved when I went there because I saw the, the mess with Athena and the Shiva wallet stuff. And... Um, uh, I was relieved when I went out to McDonald's and then I saw this open note thing and then the open note uh, lightning invoice pop up and then I paid it and it went pretty well. Like um, my wallet was actually slow. I did a little demo video, but my wallet ran slow. But so it made it look slow, but actually the open note side was, was fast and it worked. But it made, me, it made me confident that, and I think from, and this is why um, they're such a great company, like from the beginning of, of lightning being set up, like open note was there yeah. and it was offering a very professional service. So if you had a big, corporate customer like a McDonald's who suddenly wanted to use Bitcoin or Lightning, they could, you could, they could speak to this company, speak to OpenNode, and then they, OpenNode could build them a solution, which they did, I thought, in, in El Salvador. And I, I, maybe I was there, um, maybe I did it a few days after you and yeah. they ironed out some bugs or something. It, you know what, it might have been my own user error, probably was. No. Yeah, but it was, I was, I was, um, uh, it was a testament to what, I mean, that's the, the best thing about OpenNode, it's so stable. And if you have yeah. someone who doesn't care about KYC and they just want to accumulate some sats and then for it to go out to a, a bank account or on-chain, um, then uh, that's a great solution to push people, you know, um, point people towards. Well, OpenNode have done everything to help us with the football club, and they have been brilliant. And we do it as a way for the club to accumulate sats because when we're selling merchandise, I reckon one in one in fifteen orders is people playing with paying with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so they have the option where you can choose to say keep fifty percent in fiat and fifty percent in Bitcoin. It's such a low number of orders. We just keep it. We keep all our Bitcoin orders in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Just we just leave them there. Mm. In terms of structure, though, what we do, we do have a multi-sig cold storage with the keys distributed wow. amongst um, different people. We then have a what we call the float, which is a one a, just a single hardware wallet which carries a small amount of Bitcoin. But that is our float for you know if we have to pay, like we had a ref who wanted to be paid in Bitcoin recently, so nice. to pay him or just that small amount. And then what we have is. Um, all the different payment channels in Bitcoin that go into OpenNode. The OpenNode stuff goes into the float. Once the float hits a, sh uh, a certain threshold, we put that into cold storage. Sweet. And so we're gradually accumulating Bitcoin as a club. And um, But it, it, there is just these different things to keep like an eye on and, yeah. But I feel I need to go back to qualifying yes. my statement yes. about lightning being broken. Ball so the, the, the promise was that everything would have a lightning node in, like that point of sale would have a lightning node in. Like, yeah, everything would have lightning nodes in and it would all be non-custodial, it would be great. And we'd be easily be able to set up these channels and we'd have great network connectivity. Um, and, and the reality is we have a lot of failed payments in lightning. 
Um, obviously, opening a channel requires an on-chain transaction, which is quite expensive and it's tricky to manage and balance. There's some great autopilot solutions which are being worked on, which are going to be very helpful towards uh, CL Boss is a good one for C Lightning. It's a fantastic plugin. You just give it on-chain and it just goes and makes lightning channels. That's great. That sort of work needs to continue. And also, uh, in the future, we'll have things like channel factories where we can have like multiple uh, channels set up on, on single transactions. That's cool too. And um, I think that comes out of the taproot stuff. Um, but this concept that everything would have a lightning node in just it hasn't happened yet. You know, Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I'm not sure. Um, and I think that what's interesting is from, from the ground... Uh, um, you for people actually using and developing solutions on Lightning, like the simple Bitcoin wallet people, um, they come up with solutions. Um, um, and one of them, which I think is great, is hoster channels. So do you know how a hoster channel works? No, but I can probably guess from the title. Basically, you're using somebody else's liquidity in their channel. But what's cool about it, so it's a custodial solution, right? But what's cool about it, rather than it being like a, a wallet of Satoshi where... And again, hats off to us. Satoshi's done great things for Lightning, but it is fully custodial. And they could just like lie about your balance amount on there. There's nothing you can really do about it. Um, with a hosted channel, uh, you have like cryptographic proof if someone tries to rip you off. So um, I can spin up a simple Bitcoin wallet. And when host, I think hosted channels will become quite a thing in Lightning because it kind of patches it up and makes it work how we, it was originally promised to work or how a lot of us thought it would work. Um, yeah, you can download open simple Bitcoin wallet. It'll automatically go and make get a hosted channel. It takes seconds. Right? It goes and gets a hosted channel. Um, maybe it could get a hosted channel from someone like LM Big, some big operator. Uh, they get they can get a, a fee for this. They can they can charge for this uh, service. They can get some yield on their liquidity in their channels. And they can actually use it, I think, as well to like balance their own channel somehow. Anyway, so um, you go get a hosted channel. So it gives you an instant like a million satoshis inbound liquidity. So you can start receiving payments. If Alan Big rip you off, you have a cryptographic proof, which you can take publicly and say, look, I have proof this node ripped me off, which you don't have when it comes to other custodial solutions. And I think that's a really nice, I think it's like, it's, it's, it's appreciating there's nuance in all these topics. So custodianship, yes, there's very bad forms of it, which people should really not do, but then there's better forms of it. Um, it's, it's a very gray area. It's a gray spectrum. And Another thing hosted channels do very well is they can, because uh, you, you can, if you make a hosted channel public, the trust which you're putting into the hosted channel provide, if someone's using it for routing payments, they don't have to put that trust in there. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, the payment doesn't go through. But what it means is we can have like many more channels without those on-chain transactions. So it's a very interesting technology. I think we're going to talk about, if we have time, maybe stable coins and stuff. Yeah, well, and, we'll come back to that. Just so, so a couple of things that have been on my mind a long time with it and kind of the circle I was never able to square early on was that, you know, if people needed to open up channels to be able to use the Lightning Network, or if you go into, you know, if, if on-chain, say if it's uh, on-chain fees were up to, say, £5 or something at that point, and you might be in jurisdictions where people, that's all the Bitcoin they have. And so th there's certain people who just will need to only live on Lightning, which we know in certain jurisdictions and maybe for certain periods of times. But how did, how does that person use Bitcoin in, in a way where their funds are protected, yet they never have any on-chain Bitcoin. How does that happen? Can it happen? Yeah, yeah I think I mean, the, with Lightning, it's, it's, a, it's a hot wallet. Yeah. So the wallet needs to be connected. It needs to be online. You can't take those Lightning funds, put them into cold storage. Some of the people were, I mean, this is what, I mean, Bitcoin is whatever we want it to be and whatever it needs, the world, whatever the world needs it to be. Mm. And if there's any problem we have, like the scaling problem, you know, like, Oof, now we have Lightning Network and we have a whole bunch of new problems, but we have something which does work and you can't do these microtransactions. Um, 
uh, I think that as a problem will be addressed uh, as a way, yeah, how do people accumulate and secure long-term cold storage Bitcoin if they haven't got enough to be able to pay the, the fee, mm. the on-chain fee? Uh, you know, maybe maybe the block reward uh, should be uh, lifted, and uh, maybe we should breach the twenty-one million. Ooh, that's a controversial one. I mean, we should have. Mm, yeah. I'll come back to that one. No, it, it, it is on my mind because one, that I always, um, I spent a lot of time recently trying to challenge myself. Is like, could could we be wrong? Could I be wrong? I always think it's like a really important yeah, question you have to ask to yourself, it. and I don't think it's asked enough. Now, what are the consequences of this? Theoretically, I completely buy into Bitcoin that a fixed limit based money, that can take us away from the ills of money printing. That I'm 100% convinced on, right? I am 100% convinced on the idea that having peer-to-peer um, censorship-resistant payments is great for the world. Yeah. Okay, What I'm not 100% aware of or understand is the consequences what are the yeah? What are the unknown consequences of this? What does this mean? For well, the that? economic consequences of having some arbitrary number and and having that as just the amount of Bitcoin which will always never exist. I think there's some some there should never be dogma and anything said about Bitcoin which is certain because that Bitcoin will and can be anything that people want it to be. From the people behind Sportsbet.io, we have BitCasino. So they are now running a very cool competition where you can join me at the North London Derby, Arsenal v Tottenham, hopefully to see Arsenal absolutely spank Tottenham. Now they have created a Bitcoin box at the Emirates Stadium and they're going to be giving away two tickets to the match. It's on October the 1st and to find out how to enter, just check out their pinned tweet at twitter.com forward slash bitcasinoio. That is twitter.com forward slash B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O-I-O. Also, please remember to gamble responsibly. Next up today, we have Ledin. Now, from savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of holding today without selling their Bitcoin. With the recent events in the lender market, Ledin demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach. They don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation and have experienced zero losses as a result of their strategy. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only Ledin are a sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs now. I am using their services. So if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D. N.io. Next up, it's the Pacific Bitcoin Conference hosted by Swan Bitcoin on November the 10th and 11th this year in sunny Los Angeles. Now, I've known Corey, Yan, and Brady for years, and they've been pulling out all the stops to make the Pacific Bitcoin Conference a celebration of the Bitcoin community. I'm going to be emceeing the conference alongside my friends Natalie Brunel and Stefan Navera. And there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers, including Lynn Alden, Alex Glastine, and Preston Pish. Now, Pacific Bitcoin is going to be the right mix of education and good fun with unique experiences. They've got a surfing simulator and loaded with other events and parties before and after the event. They're bringing the brightest minds in Bitcoin to discuss a range of topics from macro to nation estate adoption, mining and lightning. And you're not going to want to miss this inaugural Pacific Bitcoin conference. I know it's going to be a special event. Now, Swan are offering a huge 30% discount to listeners of the show. Just go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code PETER at checkout. That is P A C 
I-F-I-C-B-I-T-C-O-I-N.com and use the code PETER. Also today we have Ledger. Now recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is and Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you as a Bitcoiner to take control of your Bitcoin and the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger have recently announced the launch of the new Nano S Plus. The larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions and the Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. Now I have been a Ledger customer since 2017 and I absolutely love the S Plus. Now if you want to find out more, if you want to check this out, if you want to purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com which is s-h-o-p dot dot com. I'm always saying, what if I'm wrong? Where can we be wrong? Where, yeah. And if we go to hyper-Bitcoinization, that's one thing I'm not convinced of yet is, does that create a more equal world or a less equal world economically? And so my, th- my thoughts behind it are is, will Western nations accumulate the most Bitcoin first? And will maybe some nations if we arrive late accumulate less but still need to come on to like bitcoin because everyone else is having it and will we have the bitcoin has and has not those who can afford to use the base chain and those who can't um I, i'm not saying what will happen i just don't know and i'm i'm perfectly conscious and aware of it it's something i just think about a lot mm. do you understand what i like what like what i'm wrestling with what i'm wrestling the, the idea is that i'm convinced bitcoin is better for everyone. yeah i think i think one of the biggest problems with wealth disparity in this world is that control of over money is in the hands of a few people who yeah. then enrich themselves. And I think ultimately that's the system's rigged and that is a big problem. And I think Bitcoin solves that problem. I, but we do print money. Like we create Bitcoins every time we mine a block, like we're printing money. And we, yeah, we choose it's to print it. Yeah, we, it's predictable and we choose to print it at a certain rate. But there's no reason why we couldn't change that rate at some point in the near future. Again, we're coming to that. It's very controversial. What I want to say is that if you define Bitcoin, this always makes me cringe when people say, they'll, always, they'll only ever be 21 million. It's the soundest money the world has ever had. It's the hardest money the world has ever had. It incentivizes uh, mining and renewables. There's these statements which ideologically... So basically, when you have like culture um, or, or a phenomenon... Uh, um, a collection of people who sh- share an ideology. Within that ideology, you'll have rhetoric. So you'll have a point of a bunch of statements, which are maybe true about that thing at any point in time. And then people will take that rhetoric to the next level where they'll I- identify themselves to that rhetoric. And it'll be like, well, this is a truth, this is a truth, this is a truth. And then if anything challenges that truth, they feel, they feel it very personally, like it's challenging them personally. And they have that amygdala response of, you're turning my universe upside down, which is why if you, uh, Peter Todd recently tweeted out about this, 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 Thing about maybe we should have an ongoing. If we, if we want a zero rate of inflation um, on Bitcoin, which will probably be in the best interest of most users, so most users will probably vote for it in the future. Um, if we want a zero rate of inflation on Bitcoin, uh, then we could have a, a, a constant uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, uh, reward for for miners. And actually, I mean, you know, in, when we lose the the mining reward, maybe it will be within the interests and the, for the security of Bitcoin for that mining reward to be continued. So I think game theoretically is a very sound argument that this, this concept that there'll only ever be 21 million, it's just not true. Like you can't well, say it that. It, it might be, but it's more the, the, the it, it doesn't mean that you should close yourself off to the debate that, well, what happens when we get to that point when we can't, don't have, when we're not rewarding miners. If yeah. we're still on proof of works, we might not be. No, I get it. Because what you're basically saying is you should not be your ideas. 
yeah, you should your ideas and you should be separate because when you are your ideas, that has consequences that come with it. That means you defend them uh, unequivocally. Well, that, and you won't challenge yourself. No, there is, there is. So that I think there is some something good about that. So if you think about the maximalist, right, the Bitcoin maximalist, the archetype Bitcoin maximalist, they do do a very good job at talking down all these scams by by being so you know strong willed and inspirational and like this is you know they're, they're, they're flying that flag and the. But fight. do they prevent scams? Well, I mean, so. They do, but I think they do push a lot of good talent in the, the wrong direction away from Bitcoin sometimes because it can be a little bit too obnoxious. But there's there's two different approaches to any argument and that well not there's two different approaches to any sort of statement, and that's rhetoric, this thing's true, everything else is bad and wrong, right? And it's very binary. Or there's something maybe a little bit more nuanced, which is a dialectic where you have a thesis, I have an anti an antithesis, and then we, we have a synthesis. So we have there's probably somewhere middle ground we can find in the middle. Um, and I think what you're saying about constantly um uh questioning yourself and your own ideas and thinking, am I wrong? Am I the bad guy? I think it's the best thing to do. I mean, like historically, the common sense of any age uh, has been proven to be wrong later on. You know, like women are the property of men, for one. And that was the, the earth is flat. The earth is, earth is flat. These were common. This was like, of course, that's true. Well, um, and well, then eventually I, they're challenged. I have to challenge for a different reason, though, because um, it's, you know, people, I don't think people realize, well, maybe because I talk about it all the time they do, but me and Danny talk about this stuff a lot like like what is this podcast what if what is its role what is its responsibility what is our responsibility and um i think there is an expectation sometimes from people that the this is a product for promoting bitcoin and should cheerlead cheerlead bitcoin unequivocally and therefore if i have udi udi how do you say his name Wertheimer, on mm. the show i am anti-bitcoin and i should be um, I should be punished for it, right? Our approach is different. Our approach is we like Bitcoin, we support Bitcoin, but every idea should be challenged mm. because we can't we can't damage Bitcoin, but conversations can improve it. So, so it's and it's a real fine balance in that because we hold Bitcoin, we support Bitcoin, but we don't always just want to be like cheerleaders. Mm. You know, we want to challenge. We want to have a variety of voices. You know, we want you on here, Ben, and we want Anita, and we want Stefan Rivera, and we want Marty, and we want Malada, we want left, right, middle, uh, hardcore maxis, multi, we want everyone so we can get the collective knowledge so people can find their best path with this. And you also, you, you, you build the best value proposition, um, which you can then take out to the rest of the world because you've actually explored those, the ideology and those ideas thoroughly, and you have good arguments. So when you turn around to people and say, Bitcoin incentivizes um, renewables, mining with renewables. Of course it does. goes where the energy is cheapest. And then if you haven't really thought about that statement, someone will just turn around and say, well, surely it incentivizes fossil fuels because it's better base load. Um, you can spin up a, in Wales, I could spin up a little uh, coal uh, uh, power plant and I can mine some Bitcoin and I don't have to sell the, the energy back to the grid. So surely all the arguments you're making for renewables, you could also make for fossil fuels. And actually they're probably stronger for fossil fuels. And then suddenly, this thing which you were so sure about, because within your group, that rhetoric was like, yeah, yeah, and you're backing each other up, and you're in your, your little like, audience capture thing, and you're, yeah, yeah, that's true. This is a truth. Uh, suddenly, when you take it out to the rest of the world and then say it, they just they just tear it to pieces quite easily because you haven't really thought through that statement. Um, such as the 21 million thing, and this is why you need dissident thinking in Bitcoin. This is why you need people challenging um, 
then this someone like Pierre Tardot is very well respected in our community. Obviously, um, uh, I was I was very relieved that he kind of has broached this this question about the twenty million. I mean, it needs somebody like him to do it. And, I, I, and honestly, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, I, I I think that there's two versions of Bitcoin which could exist. There's one where you have zero rate inflation that could be very useful, and then there's one where you have uh, um, there's one where you you just keep the twenty one million cap, and you can build a whole bunch of cool stuff on Bitcoin in order to have stable mediums of exchange for people like El Salvador, Dalo, and whatever, the Welsh pound. Like you can build those, those money. The Welsh pound. Well. Um, That's a shit coin. No. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say much. Well, I mean, so the Bank of England. It's a sheep coin. The Bank of England. Not <laughs> sorry, the, not, the sorry. Bank, not the Bank of Britain. The Bank of England. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Um, do they have their, our best interests at heart? Look at the, so the Bristol pound was a great phenomenon. I always think uh, technology was terrible, but culturally people really associate themselves to it. We know when people talk about, I think maybe we're probably running out of time, but when people we talk, go. Just keep going, <laughs> when people talk about these, about these uh, stable mediums of exchange for areas in which they need it, so in El Salvador, it's like, okay, now we can have this uh, stable USD on blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, cool, but they don't want to use the USD. Like the, it's an imperialist power, which has subjugated them and it's caused a lot of problems for Central America and South America. And, they actually feel they don't feel great about a lot of the US stuff. So they probably want their own currency. They want to be in their own sovereign currency producer, um, like some of the other big powers. But they want it to be stable and they want it to be corruption resistant and also resistant to attack from the imperialist power. So then how do you build a stable? So how does how does El Salvador build a stable coin, which is decentralized enough um, that uh, it can't be corrupted from outside or within? Um, but then also can reach consensus in something like an economic crisis or to create some fiscal stimulus if they want to do that in their own country. If they want to do the things, if they want soft currency functions, which we in, with developed economies and as sovereign currency producers in our own country, we can do like with the British pound or whatever, or um, Iceland can do, or, you know, countries which produce their own currency. Um, and I think this is the most fascinating thing about uh, uh, the renewable debate actually is, is very early on on Bitcoin talk, somebody posted that Bitcoin is thermodynamically perverse. And then Satoshi answered with, I think, not I know, but I think, uh, similar to gold mining, that Bitcoin has a whole bunch of commodity uses. And when we've explored all those thoroughly, the things which Bitcoin will replace will make it a net positive. And that's where I think too. So I'm ecologically minded. I think Bitcoin has a horrible carbon footprint. Currently, the way we're using it, me sending value to you, whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, with all taproot and everything else we can do on Bitcoin now, that when countries have their stable mediums of exchange built on top of Bitcoin, and when you're replacing all the central banks and this, all this banking infrastructure and you're replacing Visa and everything else, I think that'll be a net positive. Just no matter what we're mining it on, we could be mining it on coal. Well, yeah. that's why it's important to get to a place where we have good discussion and good rhetoric, um, which I don't, th we do and we don't at the moment. Certain topics maybe are off topic or, uh, so I, I was just really fucking disappointed what happened with Matt Corello. I don't know last week. So Matt Corello tweeted. He's always getting in trouble. Well, he's tweeted <laughs> something about um, shit coins, right? What was it? He just said. Just pull it up. Yeah, just pull it up. Now, again, I have close to zero interest in shit coins. Same. Um, yeah. The only one I have a mild interest in, I don't call it shit coin, actually, is Monero. Same. And there's, I, I think there's valid reasons. Some people will call you a shit coin scammer for caring about it. But I want to know what's going on. And if at any point, like I had Vitalik on the show because it was at a point where it was, it was worthwhile having a debate of Bitcoin versus Ethereum. Just, yeah. And, and probably 70% of people who listen to the show 
probably own a shitcoin of some kind. Mm. I have just no interest in the shitcoins. But I want to hear what Matt Corello says about it because I like Matt and I respect him. Clever right? dude. He's a clever dude. And I, get, and I want to hear it and then I'm going to dismiss it and get on with my life. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what, I, what was really, what was concerning for me and quite sinister is the, the follow-up to him having the statement were personal attacks on his career history. People are digging up the fact that there was an inflation bug that he was involved in creating. Now, let's just be honest about that. Bugs happen. That's why you have people checking code, yada, yada. But that was brought up and other things were brought up. And, and well, it's, like, it's like step up, review the code, contribute, get involved in building on Bitcoin Core. If, you, if, you, if you're that unhappy with the inflation bug, like partly the reason that happened was there's just literally there weren't enough people with their eyes on the code. Yeah. And get but, involved. But like, my point is, right code. is break down his arguments. Don't character assassinate him. Yeah. Because that has a couple of consequences. You might, uh, you might have people quit Bitcoin because that would be pushed to work on other things. Uh, even thing Van der Land said, in reply to that, said, yeah, it might be time for me to move on soon. Yeah, classic. Um, and I think, like I know of other devs who are just sick of it. They're, yeah. just, they're just sick of the uh, situation. Bully boy mob situation. Yeah, yeah. so, and the, the second consequence is other people might be scared to, to even have a conversation, say, well, I want to discuss this, but I don't want to have my reputation destroyed. Yeah. I think this is not good. And this isn't about saying toxic Bitcoiners are mean. This is just about saying, we should be able to discuss things yeah. and we should be able to have honest and open debate and we should be able to critique things and then move on. If we can't do that, what do we have? We have this like very strict circle of ideas that we can't move from. And now having gone back and read a lot of Nakamoto Institute and old Bitcoin talk forums, yeah, they were tough debates, but they were debates. Yeah, like Satoshi, I yeah, think. I think, yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because we're European and we're, we're a bit different. Although we've got some toxic European people. But, but like, I just think having the discussion is what needs to happen. I actually disagree on... So so the thing about the 21 million, I disagree with inflation right now, um, constant inflation. But I want to hear the arguments for it and against it and why it might happen. Mm. I want to know. Mm. It's, it's relevant to me. I'm a Bitcoin holder. Mm. But what does it mean? Mm. So... Let's have the discussion, but and I, I mean, I, I would say, and I'm not. I'm, I would like to say as well the caveat. I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying that this is a discussion. Very interesting. I personally think it it's more likely to happen in the future because security. Just yeah, it's game theoretically. The users would want it to happen. It'll be hard because consensus is super duper hard on Bitcoin, obviously. So maybe that will be the reason it doesn't happen. Well, it is one of those things. If it does happen, there will be a chain split. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting thing actually. So when uh, when uh, I posted the because I posted a tweet about this about two years ago, and the common reaction was, well, "I'll sell all my Bitcoin immediately," and then I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, the reason why we have inflation is to loosen people's grip on an asset, so to create fiscal stimulus and to create aggregate demand and all that sort of stuff. And if that's what the users of Bitcoin want it to do, that's what they'll have it do, despite how you may feel about Bitcoin right now and what it is." Um, but that, yeah, the mob, the mob mentality with uh, uh, rhetoric and ideology is, is a problem. And it does, I mean, I saw my, a lot of you are admiring, I have a sticker on my laptop and it says, uh, Bitcoin, nine danker. And I got it from a hacker event and it was, uh, people had posted these stickers everywhere. It's a hacker event and they posted these Bitcoin, nine danker stickers. So these German hackers clearly don't like Bitcoin. And on all the bins, they posted these stickers saying, put, put, put your Bitcoin here. And I'm like, man, this is such a shame 
these people, they don't, they haven't looked at the technology. They've looked at the, the sort of cultural association over culture, right? And then they've stopped there. They've got greed. It's, you know, all this stuff I don't like. They haven't actually looked at the, the deeply into the technology. And it's a shame. Like, mm. I think if we were more welcoming as, a, as, 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 as users or as a community, whatever, then we would pull in more talent. But then I do also think that the, the maximalist type does have, uh, does, does hold a purpose for, I agree. for defending against the shit going stuff. Something, but, but, I, something, but, well, dude, I mean, so something, you say so, that, but, but does it stop shit going? Like, does it, the one thing I want to ask myself is the amount of time spent on that. Is that a net good? Or if that time, all that time, cause you see these people all day long, Bash, 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 yeah. shitcoin this, shitcoin that, you're a scammer. Angry if they man. took all, like, I look at the time I'm on Twitter sometimes, I think, if I spent that time learning a language, would that improve my life? So yeah. if they spend that time creating educational, educational materials and teaching about, about the Bitcoin, would that have a stronger net impact for individuals and Bitcoin? You know, it's, di it's the, the, directing, the direct action thing, which is in the, the Cypherpunk manifesto, Cypherpunk's right code. Rather than spend all your time just doing hot air, like actually build something or make something or contribute in some way. But, um, uh, sorry, quickly, where did Max go? He's just out there. Uh, Max, quick question. We've been joined by Max Hillebrand here. This is a cool time. Quick question. Yes or no? What's up? Right, just quick. Uh, Bitcoin, inflation, absolutely not. Fuck off, never discuss it. Have the discussion because it could be possible. Ultimately, the, the actual quantity of the money supply doesn't matter. Right, as long as you are, it's, it's divisible enough, which is the case in Bitcoin. And then the question is, what do we want uh, with that inflation money? Where should it go? Right? What's the fiscal stimulus? And allegedly, that's to improve the security budget of Bitcoin, right? to make it more expensive to reorg blocks and such. However, the block subsidy doesn't do that. Right? Uh, uh, the attacker gets the block subsidy as well. Right? It's, it's not a mining fee that, or transactional mining fee where you only get paid if you actually include the transaction in a block. So if you're censoring a transaction, you don't get the fee of that transaction. But you do get the block rewards, the issuance, the inflation, so to say. So that's why I think that increasing the issuance rate doesn't increase the security budget of Bitcoin. The quick answer I wanted. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I just, I got to say, just for me, this is like, uh, as somebody from Bedford, <laughs> he's trying to make Bedford a thing. Uh, I'm super proud to have so many Bitcoiners here and who've made the journey here. It's like, I feel actually a little bit emotional about it, but no, thank you. I would, I would like to, so I'm just going to say about the stable minimum exchange thing, because yeah. this is, I think this is a very relevant topic for um, having people in somewhere like ourselves that want on subsistence wages where they can't have crazy price volatility when it comes to making payments and, and using it for payments technology. Um, when I start talking about that more openly about how we need stable mediums of exchange for all these different countries, um, uh, I had so many legit developer Bitcoiners who are very well respected within the community from, I won't even mention names, like reach out to me like quietly and say, this is my proposal, which I've been working on for a year, <laughs> which tackles this problem. And, uh, uh, and some of them were hardcore cypherpunk types who you wouldn't think would be working on solving such a problem. You know, they think there would be more binary in their thinking. And that's a shame that like there's a bunch of people working on these. And I think now it's come to the, obviously it's come to the surface with the uh, standard sats um, and then the stable sats thing by Galloy and then the, um, the tarot stuff from, from Lightning Labs. But as another topic, like stable mediums of exchange on Bitcoin, actually I think that thankfully has become less of a, a controversy. It should not be controversial. It should, be controversial. It should not be controversial. <laughs> Let's build the best payments experience we could possibly build for people. If you think Bitcoin is the, 
only an immediate answer for everybody in the world right now. You're a fucking moron. You've got no idea how people live and survive, how they use money. Go out there, go travel the world, go to developed, underdeveloped countries, you know, meet a wide range of people. If you think Bitcoin solves every problem because it's got a fixed monetary supply and there's uh, censorship resistant, you're a fucking idiot. And it really pisses me off that people say, oh, they just need Bitcoin. No, they need stable money. One that Bitcoin does... is one Bitcoin. Yeah, one, yeah <laughs> they need a, like, just speak to Alex Gladstein. I keep saying it. Follow him, follow what he says. Some people just need a stable form of money that isn't uh, being debased. That's what they need. They need to know that $100 they slaved away to work and earn that week is going to buy their family $100 of food at the end of the week. They don't need to be saving in Bitcoin and hoping it goes up and doesn't. It's fucking bullshit. It pisses me off because it's, you know, these people who talk about being anti-human, that is anti-human. It's mm. moronic. Yes, I buy your long-term thesis about stable money with Bitcoin. I buy it. Fine. But your short-term solutions using Bitcoin are moronic. It pisses me off. Sorry, I'm ranting. And but what's, it's great that the work which is being done, and actually I think what we'll see emerge in one of these countries, uh, which is under the imperialist yoke, such as El Salvador or maybe even Wales, is uh, a, a local currency um, which is culturally relevant to the, to the country where it where it's, um, emerges from. Uh, and it will probably uh, out-compete like the stability of something like the US dollar or the euro. It'll be like a collection of fiat, a collection of assets, um, and it'll create an incredibly stable peg somehow. I think that's what will happen. Like we'll use this amazing free and open source tool set to build something which can outcompete the stability of, of, of a you know, military-backed fiat currency. Uh, and it will happen in a, a, a like you know Central African Republic or something. You know, suddenly they've got the one of the most stable mediums of exchange on the Hold planet. On, aren't they shitcoiners? Are they a shitcoin country? Well, I mean, well, I mean, where, where, wherever it may happen, wherever it may happen, I'm sure it will happen somewhere where they haven't got uh, central bank infrastructure. They are the ones, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, I do want to ask you about Fediment because we had Obian, who I think is an amazing human being. What are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, just it's great. I mean, Choimini Cash, you can get it to work. Uh, federated Choimini Cash is brilliant. Work, you know. It's, I mean, it's, it, there's some issues which, I mean. It, it, it's not a given that it will work. Like it's a complicated thing to build, uh, which is why, considering the level of cryptographers we have in in, in Bitcoin, uh, it hasn't already been built. I mean, David Chalmer about eCash, whenever it was, you know, in the '90s, early '90s or something. So, mm. and himself has looked at Bitcoin and didn't build it on Bitcoin. So, I, th I think it's a hard thing to build. But if they can build it. And if the federations can not be subject to a civil attack, so that's my worry, particularly if you're talking about a, a country where resources are quite scarce. Um, the, well, this is actually an interesting idea. Is, is like, is the federation then more likely to um, become corrupt and have a, some sort of civil attack or, or whatever? Or is that more likely to happen in a country which has more resources? I can't really work it out. But anyway, uh, I think it's like, there's still trust there. You're trusting a federation, right? And in some cases, like with the hoster channel thing, personally, I might prefer just to trust Alan Big because he's a big channel. He makes loads of yield. He doesn't want the bad press of me being ripped off. Hmm. So for a immediate solution for addressing the you know payment stuff, um, that might make more sense. And there's a, the, the standard stats is a great project. This is uh, made by some of the people who've been involved in the simple Bitcoin wallet. And they have a simple Bitcoin wallet fork, in fact. Um, 
And the, the idea is you have, so they have a, a node and then you have a plugin for the node and then that plugin does um, uh, high frequency hedging with uh, Collider, I think. And um, what it can do is it can keep a peg. So it can keep a stable USD or Euro peg or, or collection of, of assets or fiat. Um, and then you can get a hosted channel. So like a fiat hosted channel or, a, you know, this token hosted channel and you can have it in your Lightning wallet and it works with like, you know, it's a Lightning payment essentially. Um, uh, I think that's a really interesting solution as well. So I think there's going to be a number of solutions. I think in the immediate term, we're going to have market-based solutions like uh, what Gallo is, because uh, stable sats is, is very similar to standard sats, the, the way they're addressing this problem. Um, uh, so you're going to have like market-based solutions, um, which I think Alex Gladstein was kind of um, talking about as well fairly recently. And then I think long-term, you'll have some stuff which is more algorithmic. Uh, and then talking about the shitcoin space, make a DAO and die. It's pretty cool. Like it's been working for a while and they've kept that stable peg and they have this weird vault thing and they use arbitrage and stuff to keep a peg. And I think that to me, like if someone like El Salvador could have some vault, which you send Bitcoin to, the vaults, the control over the vault is federated via geographical regions in El Salvador. So different political, you know, affiliations, whatever. And then 50% of that, maybe 50% industry, the industry of the country. Um, Basically, just uh, decentralized enough that it's corruption resistant, but not so decentralized that if they need some stimulus and economic disaster, they're not able to do that as you know, use those soft currency functions. I think if you can have this fault, which you chuck Bitcoin into and it spits out El Salvador dollars, and that keeps a peg to a bunch of fiat or some uh, assets, I think that's probably a really good solution, mm. which I want to see happen. Yeah, I love it. And the MakerDAO stuff, I mean, they've kind of proved that with the die that so far it's still working, you know, and actually gets keeps getting more stable. Yeah. But um, isn't that just because they're just buying USDC now? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 um, when I, again, when I, so this is one of the, one of the, the, the legit Bitcoiners who I uh, talked about who like reached out and said, this is my proposal to the solution. Um, uh, one of the legit Bitcoiners was like, yeah, MakerDAO, we're doing some pretty cool things. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll probably build something like that. <laughs> was um, it Francis Poulier? Um, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he told me it was all in Ethereum. So, yeah. Um, no, uh, I haven't seen that guy for a while, actually. He's got some energy, hasn't he? <laughs> um, but uh, so I think, yeah, in the immediate term, we'll have these market based solutions. Then we'll have more complicated algorithmic solutions and also this Fed Mint, Chill Mini Cash stuff. What does worry me about the eCash thing is it's yet another. Okay, so you've got your Lightning wallet, you've got your on-chain wallet, and this is your Feddy, uh, Feddy Minty, Chill Mini Cash wallet. And then users are going to be like, <laughs> what am I using here? Um, but I mean, it's in good hands. There's great people working on the project. Justin Moon, you know, he's working on it. Uh, Obi's there and he's great. Yeah, it's so a great team. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be that lot. You know, yeah. they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to make this thing a reality. And if they do, then it'd be great. And actually I, I spoke to Obi because I was like, oh no, it's like, LM bits now defunct. Uh, and because uh, we're using obviously on Lightning, aren't we? A lot of yeah. our stuff is Bolt 11 based. But the invoicing system they're going to use is very similar to Bolt 11. It will be very similar to Bolt 11. I mean, I'm nodding like I know. I have no idea. Just, you know, basically like I request an invoice from you yeah. and then I pay it, right? So we could we could actually have uh, a Chormini Cash wallet as 
uh, a funding source for an Bits install, which is kind of cool. That is very cool. Yeah. And actually, we could even make an extension, which is then part of the federation maybe as well. So it's there's certainly some cool things which can be built off the back of it. I just wish them luck because it's a, it's a hard big thing project. to build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're going for it. Like uh, we had them here a couple of days ago and I was very impressed with them. So yeah. fingers crossed. I'd like to get you down. And, and also, I would like to say that I'm, I'm mostly playing devil's advocate for a lot of these topics. Like I'm just, you know, throwing the, the conversation out there and I'm not... Shitcoin apologist. <laughs> <laughs> Inflation apologist. I'm not saying, right, breach 21 million, go buy, die. Um, <laughs> firstly, tell people where to go to find out more about what LMBits and what you're doing. Man. Yeah, so if you go to LMBits.com, you can go there um, and uh, there's links to the repos there. Um, and then also for the hardware stuff, um, that's mostly on my, my repo. Uh, so we have two Telegram groups. We've got the Alan Bits Telegram group, and then we have a Makerbits Telegram group, just t.me backslash Makerbits. That's where we talk about a lot of the hardware stuff. Um, and it's great to see people like someone like Stackers getting involved. And I think I said earlier in the show that right now he's doing a workshop for that point of sale in Germany mm. somewhere. And it's, it's so cool. Um, uh, and then in the Alan Bits Telegram group there, it's, it's very good. We have like a thousand people there and they're constantly helping each other. Um, uh, with any issues they have, or if anyone comes, any noobs come in and they can't install it, and people are so patient. Like they, I see them answering the same question again and again and again. But the, honestly, it's the, the community is incredible. Yeah, but, and it wouldn't be the software is what it were it is without the the, the community. Um, so if you go to alanbits.com, there's links to the Legend software, which is the Python version which we've got here, which we're trying to get our beta. And we also have this uh, um, Go version for the for the Go programmers out there called Infinity, and that does extensions kind of differently, um, but it's a very interesting piece of software, which we're all very excited about and want to kind of work on as well. First, we need to get Legend out of beta, fully functional, fully stable, and then do some things as well, like extrapolate extensions out so you have that kind of WordPress experience. And then we'll concentrate as well on this other uh, Infinity project. But yeah, there's some, there's some great things being built and um, uh, a big shout out to all the developers working on LMBit. So uh, Kali, he's um, um, been managing the repo amazingly and he's built out this massive testing suite and he's putting all these great commits. DNI did the uh, the looping out extension, Vlad Stan with the hardware wallet. Tal, Tal was with us from the beginning. He made the point of sale extension. Um, uh, Black Coffee, who does uh, Anchor Hoddle, the shop Anchor Hoddle here, he's mm -hmm. going to be managing the Allen Bits shop where we're going to be selling like some of the gizmos and stuff. But ultimately like, you know, buy the bits yourself from AliExpress, build it yourself. We're going to make it as simple as possible, like Lego to put the thing together. Um, Currently, let's like, say with the hardware projects, for example, you'll have to uh, download Arduino, the IDE, and you'll have to like install some stuff, and then you'll have to flash the thing. But um, soon, you'll be able to go into LMBits, plug in the device, and then just flash the software from LMBits onto the device. So you could just get the off-the-shelf hardware, plug it in, press a button. It just pushes the binary onto the device. The binary will have a checksum. So you can verify that it's not being corrupted, and you can go check the checksum against the, you know, the binary on the uh, the repo um, for for the project for like the point of sale, for example. But I think that becomes really interesting then when people don't actually have to. They can get an off-the-shelf device, they can build a hardware wallet, they can build an ATM, they can build a point of sale, and it, they don't require. It doesn't require them like downloading any IDEs or anything, or installing anything, or it's just a case of like click, yeah. Phew. I'll flash it. Proper cypherpunk. Yeah, we yeah cypherpunks uh, write code, don't they? They build stuff, so you have to keep building the things. Well, listen, I'd love to get you down for our next meetup at the club. Uh, I want to buy one of the, the big cash. I've got it, man. ATMs. I mean, the, my, my, my partner will be super happy that this massive uh, um, uh, uh, thing, it will be out of our uh, dining room, because currently it's just in the middle of our dining room. Right, I want it. that, and I want, I think, three of these, and 
give me an invoice, we'll pay for it. Uh, come down and run the session with us. Come see how it all works. We'll, we'll, we'll do it together. I'd love to have you down Very there. Nice. Hopefully you can make the date work. And yeah, this would be awesome, man. But I uh, really appreciate you, Ben. This is a great conversation. Well, thank and, you, uh, Peter. Thank you for all the work you're doing. It's great. Yeah, anything we can do for you in the future, let me know. But keep, keep crushing, man. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, thank you for listening to what Bitcoin did. I hope you enjoyed the show. I think all the stuff that Ben brought was pretty cool. He is obviously a very talented and enthusiastic Bitcoiner, so please also do go and check out LM Bits and support what Ben is doing. We've had a bit of a break from the football recently with the passing of the Queen in the UK, but football is back this weekend. We're away to Holmer Green. We've played six, we've won six. Hopefully it will be another win under our belt this weekend. All right, have a great rest of your week and I'll see you all on Friday. And if you've got any questions, feel free to email me. It is hello at whatbitcoindid.com.